Hi and welcome everyone to the I have a dream podcast where host Rajan Navani initiates candid conversations with industry leaders and experts to explore their aspirations for India as we enter a golden period. Rajan is the national chairman of CII's Council on Future Businesses, India at 75 and the Artificial Intelligence Task Force and chairman, managing director and CEO of Jet Synthesis. Today's episode features Tarun Das, former director general of CII, who talks about how India will be at the center of global affairs and will be a super partner to the world in the next 25 years. To find out more, stay tuned. Very good afternoon to all of you ladies and gentlemen joining us from India. A good evening to those of you who are joining us from rest of Asia and a good morning to those who are waking up in the west to be a part of this very interesting conversation and discussion that I'm going to have today with uh, a visionary and with a person who I will describe a little differently uh, as we you know even go through this conversation uh, on India at 100 a uh, really uh, a dream that india has that we truly believe can be realized in a time frame of the next 25 years uh the background to this is about you know in 2007 when cii uh, was celebrating india at 60 along with the government of india in new york uh there was a discussion around india at 75 presented by ck pralad uh, and cii from there on took up Uh, a, a mandate to carry out a massive exercise across india to create what has been recognized as the people's agenda a vision for india at 75 and today as we are in our 75th year of independence celebrating what we have achieved as a country and looking back at what we have been able to accomplish in the past 15 years it's also time for us to really look at the future from here on and see what are some of the things that we need to address immediately and of course over the long term you know the india 75 journey has been a process rather than you know something that we believe is an end goal uh, it is a process of you know accelerating growth it is a process of having higher aspirations and resources it's a process of entrepreneurial innovation getting created around the non negotiables of a country like india and somebody who we have here today has been part of this discussion and journey right from the day of 2007 mr tarun das you know when i look at uh, tarun here you know it's not his padma bhushan uh, which was awarded by the president of india or his national awards by the government of singapore and united kingdom and sweden and japan you know that stand out you know as his contribution uh, to what india has achieved or his honorary doc that he has received from university of warwick uk or tel aviv uh, israel all this number of strategic dialogues that he has co-chaired with with us india india japan singapore uh, india climate change issues with trilateral commission and many others around the world it's not his trusteeship of, of ananta aspen ananta center or the council of energy environment or the ci treveni institute for water that he has been involved with for the institute of economic growth that he chairs uh, it's not his role as 
you know, the chairman of Sarsakawa India Electricity Foundation, or the chairman of the advisory board of JCB India, or the advisory board of Chub USA. It is a lot more than all of that put together because the true journey of 37 years, uh, you know, that Tarun has been through as the director general of CII has actually shaped Indian industry in a manner that has enabled us to even have a vision for what we can achieve. And I think that journey as a director general, you know, up to uh, 2004 and from 1967 and the 2004 to 2009 as chief mentor of CII and the subsequent engagement with Indian industry in many forms has actually positioned Indian industry very differently when it comes to what India can achieve at a global stage. The entire India at 75 process that happened while Tarun was still the chief mentor of CII was his ability to really create an, a platform for multiple stakeholders to really come together to be able to define that vision. So it is Indian industry more as a convening platform, but bringing government, civil society, everyone together to be able to envision what India could be in India at 75. And today, I am so blessed to have the privilege of having him here uh, to think through and discuss with us what it would mean to see India at 100. So Tarun, a very, very warm welcome to you. And thank you for, for accepting to, to do this. And I truly believe that what we are going to have and talk about over the next 45 minutes in our conversation and then a few questions at the end would help shape what India can really become in the next 25 years. Like we've always discussed, uh, it's a marathon which will have to be run in maybe 100 meter sprints, 400 meter sprints. But, you know, to begin with, you know, I'd really like to open up this conversation for you to freely share, you know, what is your vision for India at heart? Thank you very much, Rajan. Uh, it's great to be back with CII and to be, and to be with you because you have been central in leading the India at 75 work since 2008. And my mind, my memory goes back to that early days when we used to sit around the table with Professor C.K. Prahlad and brainstorm on, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Where are we going to go? And CII took the mantle uh, and, and forged ahead. And you were very central in making that happen. And I was really privileged that in 2007, when C.K. Prahlad accepted our invitation to come to New York and speak at our celebrations on India at 16, I was moderating that session with him. And he stood up there and he said, India at 60 is done. Let's talk about India at 75. So he blew my mind. He blew everybody's mind when he put that vision out there and talked about, you know, what India could be uh, at this time when we have just completed India at 75. So it's great to be back. I will, uh, I will put uh, two buckets, Rajan, around which I see uh, India at 100. One is the bucket of people and the second is the bucket of technology. We are already, as a nation, thanks to the leadership provided and the policies of the government and the work done by CII and many others, we are 
on the technology road. We have started the process and we've gone some way down on the digital technology route. That is going to take us to a different level by India at 100. Technology is going to be a significant transformer of the nation and will help the country to realize its dreams. India is good at technology. Indians take to technology easily. Indian kids are amazing when dealing with technology. So you see the natural affinity between Indians and technology. And we are seeing the transformation already taking place in the country. But we have a long way to go. We've got to build and complete a very high quality technology infrastructure, touching every village in the country, every corner of the country. And we will do that because we are on that path now. And the allocation of resources, the priorities given by the government are showing the way that we are going to achieve that objective of taking technology to the farthest corners of the country. And that technology is making us a very different nation as we go forward. Now, let me turn to the second bucket, the people. There's 700 million people, at least, living in the rural areas. And millions and millions of people who are the urban poor. We have talent. We have IQ. We have EQ. And these people are amazing people. And there are so many great stories about Indians, men and women, youth and children, of what they have achieved and what they are achieving. So a combination of technology and talent, which we have, is going to take India to a different place at India at 100. For example, I see that the days of poverty will be over. We will be way, way beyond the poverty line. The poverty line will not be in the dictionary of the people who lead this country, who live in this country in 2047. Because they will not know that there was something called poverty in India. But we would have transcended you know, to a different place in the next 25 years. Employment. Today, we are concerned about employment. We're concerned about unemployment. But the technology that we have and the micro-entrepreneurship talent that we have, the entrepreneurship talent that we have of using technology for startups and all of that, our employment and unemployment issues will be addressed through this dynamic. It's not going to be revisiting the 19th century or 20th century and having worrying about factories generating employment. Factories will be automated because they will use technology to be competitive. But small entrepreneurs, 
medium entrepreneurs, big entrepreneurs will change the face of this country and they will change the face of employment as a result. Because people will, and you will see, and we are seeing that now, Rajan, that younger people are wanting to be self-employed. Young people want to do things on their own. And they're doing it successfully. This is a new explosion, a new initiative, a new pathway for the future. And this will only go on escalating and growing and growing and again, transforming the country. So I see these two buckets and within the, within the human resources bucket, there are some sub buckets. There's a women bucket. We are seeing story after story of women's capability. Their potential, but way beyond the potential, their capability, their success, their achievement, their competence. I think we are going to find in India two at 100 in 2047, women at a very, very prime place. You know, in the old days, we used to say the public sector used to will occupy the commanding heights of the economy. Rajan, in 2047, women will occupy the commanding heights of the economy. That's the transformation that I see going forward. And then youth. This is another sub-bucket. Youth, the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm of youth, they did. Their instinctive affinity with technology, their instinctive comfort with entrepreneurship, you're going to see a different brand of Indian youth as you go forward into the next 25 years. So this is going to be a woman force, a youth force driving India into India at 100. You know, this is, and because India is getting more free, the ease of doing business initiative, which has been taken over the last several years, has eased doing business. And that process is continuing. Things are becoming easier. You can start a business quickly. You can start anything quickly and build quickly. So you're finding the infrastructure for building businesses or building your own dreams, as it were, coming closer and closer to you. So I see these two sub forces amongst the HR force driving India uh, in consonance with technology. We are very worried about inequality today. We're very concerned about inequality. We talk about it all the time. It's in our face. But I think with these transformations of technology, which will touch the poor, which will change their lives, I think there will be much less inequality. As I look ahead 25 years, there will be a different India, a new India, which will not have this level of inequality that we are facing today. You will see that transformation also happening. We will rise again as a manufacturing nation. The PLI scheme brought by government for multiple sectors in the last couple of years will bring results over the next few years. 
and you will see the world talking about India once again being a manufacturing nation, not only as it was in the 18th century or the 19th century, but right now in the 21st century. And we are, of course, so comfortable and so capable in the services sector, in all the services sector. It's already over 50% of our economy, and that will continue to grow. And finally, the soft power of India. The soft power of India, whether it is tourism, whether it's culture, and so many music, so many other things will grow because they are getting an impetus now. They're getting a support now, which has never been there. Sports, for example. I mean, if you look at yesterday's national games inaugurated in Ahmedabad by the Prime Minister, I mean, where have we come? We, was, we were not proud of our sporting reputation. We were not proud of our young sportsmen and sportswomen. That's changed today. We had a different level of getting gold medals and winning in international competitions. And the drive that is being given to build sportspersons is going to give pride to the nation. And I think by the year 2047, you're going to see India right up there amongst the top gold medal winners of the world, be it in the Olympics or in the Commonwealth Games or the Asian Games, etc. So all of this will transform. And one more thing will happen. India will become the human resources hub of the world because we will have the most talented, the most capable people in the world. We already see that. We see the talent. We see the CEOs of so many companies around the world being led by Indians. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. Wait and see what happens. As, as country after country faces shortages of people, as they face aging populations, who will they turn to? The Indian is an amazing worker. Indian skills are there, but Indian attitude is there. Indians work with humility. Indians are already wanted by many countries. Even a country like Japan, with all its conservatism, has started opening its doors to Indian workers going from here. So just think of the future. 25 years from now, Indians will be working in every nation of the world. Let me stop now. You so beautifully laid out the roadmap, you know, of this 25-year journey. And it just sounds so exciting. You know, just the way you described it, which is embedded you know, in the people of India, right? Whether it's the women and the youth, and it's the people who create the technologies, the people who will make the sports happen, and it's the people who will serve the world. So the Indian is growing out to the world. You know, and Dharan, as you were speaking, you know, the prime ministers also call the next 25 years as the Amritkar, right? As the period where India is going to really stand out and shine, you know, and, and really discover its true value, but also the world will discover you know, India's value as we, you know, continue to, to move down this path. I mean, a lot is happening, you know, in the world today, right? I mean, there is, there is geopolitical stress. There is, there's so much, you know, that is happening in terms of the way the world is 
changing. And you know, the pandemic followed by so many of the recent developments have really you know shaken up the world at large, right? And in a in a scenario of where we are today, and when you look at you know the next 25 years, how do you see India's position, you know, in the world? And and really how will the world engage with India? Because you know, you had so much experience with a lot of the global actors that I talked about in the beginning, you know, how, how do you see that piece, you know, shaping up as you move forward? You know, Rajan, India was isolated for decades. India wanted to be isolated. India preferred to be in a corner. India did not engage with the world. India was almost apprehensive of the world. India seemed to be afraid of the world with its 200 years of colonial past hanging over it. All that's gone. I had the privilege of being in Japan in 2014, September, when Prime Minister made his first visit to Japan as Prime Minister. And two things remind me very much of that landmark visit. One, he's talking to the Indian diaspora in Tokyo, and he's telling them, Please call your family and friends in India and tell them how clean Japan is. We want to have a clean India. You know, out of that was born the Swash Bharat movement. So important for India. And so important for the world who want to come to India. The second thing he said, he said, please ask at least five Japanese friends to visit India for a holiday. What will that do to us, he said? It will put pressure on us to clean India so that our friends from Japan be comfortable in India. This was one message. The second message on that trip is the banquet of Prime Minister Abe for Prime Minister Modi. I am sitting at another table and the two people sitting at my table are the heads of the two bullet train companies of Japan, JR East and JR Central. And the Prime Minister had already been talking, you know, about high-speed rail and all of that before he went there. And I thought to myself, would the Prime Minister ever get a chance to meet these two guys? Or would these two guys ever be able to meet the Prime Minister? Because Prime Minister seems to have a dream. He wants to connect the country with high-speed rail so that the people of India can move quickly from one part of the country to another. So I asked my neighbor at the table, who was the Japanese Prime Minister's secretary, and I said, you know, can I take these two gentlemen and introduce them to the Prime Minister, our Prime Minister? And he said, no, no, but that, that sort of thing is not done. In I said, look, you don't worry about that. You just tell me what's a good time in the, and I will, 15 minutes later, he said, this is a good time. I took these two guys up to the Prime Minister and I said, Mr. Prime Minister, these are the two gentlemen who will help you to realize one of your dreams. And he spent five minutes talking to them. And these are the people who are implementing the high-speed rail project 
subsequently in India. What I'm saying is, India moved into the center of the world that day. India is now no longer isolated. The initiatives being taken by India across the world, in multiple regions, multiple countries, is just amazing. Look at the program that our external affairs minister had over the last week in New York and Washington, D.C. 50 meetings with everybody. If you look at his tweets coming every day, every day there was a tweet of all the meetings he's had. It's amazing. And then he goes to Washington and does a repeat performance for three to four days with the U.S. government and U.S. administration. And has the courage, this is the India having the courage to tell America about the American proposed deal with our neighbor on aircraft. He says, who are you fooling? This is where India has come today. So now when I look ahead, let me go forward to the next 25 years. India is not going to be a superpower, it's going to be a super partner. Please understand the difference, Rajan. We are going to be a partner to the world, developed countries and developing. We don't want to be a superpower. The, the connotation of superpower is a bully. The connotation of a superpower is you are up there and everybody else is down here. India is showing already the way it is operating. It's going to be a super partner. It's going to be a country which others can trust. This is a very important thing. Others will trust because India is building friendship, building understanding, building collaboration, building cooperation with every part of the world today. Whether it's the Indian Ocean, Rim Islands, whether it's the Pacific Islands, whether it's the Indo-Pacific, whether it's Europe, it's North America, Latin America, Africa, we are everywhere. And the diplomatic initiatives of India has never seen anything like this. So I just see that going and growing and growing. To the, one day, they will all say, India is our super partner. And India is a nation we can trust. The second thing I see is that India will be central to global affairs. One country can keep us out of the Security Council of the United Nations by exercising their veto power. Doesn't matter. The world doesn't revolve in the meeting room of the Security Council. India will be central to global affairs and global cooperation because by our conduct, by our policies, by our outreach. And we have the finest team working just to achieve this objective. So we will be central in global affairs. And as you go forward, we will have different kinds of public-private partnerships if I can say, between nation and nation, with the developed world and the developing world. We have concluded FTAs with UAE and Australia. We are about to conclude an FTA with UK. 
We are negotiating with the European Union. We are talking to the Americans and the Canadians. We are connecting to the world on trade and investment. Few years ago, people said India is protectionist. Now suddenly people are, what's happened to India? India is in a different place now. It's tying up free trade agreements across the world, which means we open, they open. And opening up and holding hands together. And my final point is this. The most important thing that India is doing with developing countries of the world is helping to build their human resource capacity. We are helping the developing countries to skill and train their people as we are doing with our people so that those people can run their own countries competently, efficiently, dynamically. We are teaching them to fish. We are not giving them fish to eat. That's the difference. Our focus is help each country to build their own people, just as we have built our own people. And we are helping them with their digital transformation also, so that the people and technology story of India can be replicated across the world in the developing countries. So my dream of India is a very big dream in the world. Um, but it's a nice dream. It's a friendly dream. It's not a, it's not a power broker's dream. It's not a conqueror's dream. It's a dream of a country which is a friend to all. Does it make sense? No, it does. And actually, it is a dream built on, you know, your experience of what you have seen, you know, India's journey happen, right? Right from, God knows, the last 50, 60 years and being a key part of it. And, you know, your point, Tarun, on this superpower and becoming a super partner, I think is, is so appropriate. And maybe that itself will require a lot of discussion as to what does it mean to be a super partner, right? Because I'm sure it will mean a different kind of a partnership with a developed country, a very different partnership with a developing country. You define and outline some of those. But at, this, at the end of the day, it is that trust deficit which exists in the world today that will be bridged, you know, through this. And, and you know, as you were talking, you know, you were talking earlier of the soft power of India, you know, the way India really talked about the interconnectedness of the world, the Vasudeva Kutumbakam, right? India really kind of becoming that, you know, that power in the world that keeps the world together, right? And, and this will happen through multiple relationships. So I think very, very powerful thought, I think that has emerged there. And, and I think what I'm going to really see with CII and see how we can, you know, take some of this discussion forward is to, to really articulate what does that super partner mean uh, for a country, right? So it will require government to have that mindset. It will require industry to have that mindset. You know, it will require other stakeholders to have that. And maybe this is one point that I will take you up on, you know, even over the next few years to have some more discussions so that we can strengthen you know, this piece of your thought leadership. But, you know, I think it's been a beautiful dream. I think you've outlined both the way India will shape up as well as, you know, how we will shape up in the context of the world, how we will interact with the world. But, you know, one thing that Tarun always comes back to us in India, right? We will have an audacious vision. 
uh, we do have you know the capability we all understand that we are making progress and we're making significant progress in some areas you know maybe need to do a little more in others but at the end of the day you know we need to make this vision come alive right and 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 if we really go into the how right of 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 this piece right i mean i know it's a very complicated question it's not something that is very easily you know resolvable but would love to understand from you you know a little more on, on the how of this next 25 years so rajan i want to see a new brand of indian and a new brand of indian who will achieve all these things and the uh, beginnings of that the catalyst of that has already started i don't want to decry any training program which is being organized anywhere in the country by so many organizations they're all adding value but there is one particular format which is the socratic dialogue format which has been started over the last 10 15 years by the ananta center and of which you have been a part because you have been through that program it is a life changing program it is a self development program it takes you to a different level now that program has already touched the lives of a thousand people high school children college boys and girls ngos corporate executives government officials even police officials and each of them say it's been life transforming and what it does particularly it leads you to introspect in a structured way and it leads you to a position where gives you confidence to do a lot of things which you never thought of especially for the country it's called values based leadership values and leadership go together so a thousand people is not enough this needs to be scaled up we need to go to 5000 we need to go to 10000 we need to go to 100000 but we don't need to go to millions these are the catalysts these are the people who will be working in the core and spreading their thoughts and ideas like octopuses around the country and we will through this process build a values based indian leadership which is trusted within india and trusted abroad and this is going to be the transforming role that we will find i mean we have today if you look at the men and women who been through this program we have today a woman heading a police force in the most difficult part of the country we have civil servants working in very challenging environments in 
in the in regions and states. We have ambassadors of India who have been through this program and who have done so well for the country. So, and then there are people who are in the corporate sector, who are in the NGO sector, you know, who are contributing in different ways. I mean, there's an outstanding guy who has transformed an entire Naxalite area into plant coffee plantations where Naxalites and their families are working. So it's been a transforming road. So you know, you you can you bring about change. You bring about positive change with people like this. And uh, I think we have to focus on this. You might like to connect with this program institutionally and and scale, help to scale it up so that many more people much faster can get access to this and we will be able to multiply the number of people who will be values-based leaders who will be trusted and who will help us to realize our dreams. I think this critical investment that I think we as a country need to make in a leadership of the kind you have outlined, you know, for us to be able to realize that India at 100, I think is, 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 is really what I captured is the essence of what you just said. And, you know, Tarun, you, you raised a great point, right? Because how will that Indian leader really also be different? You know, and, and I think, you know, what you rightly said, the values-based leadership, or I remember once, you know, I was also thinking deeply and I said, you know, a leader can have a clear thinking head, clean working hands, but a warm, caring heart changes that very differently from, you know, something else where your super partner role, right? Because I'm not only concerned about where I will go, but where we will go together, right? I think, you know, as a team. So I think if we combine this super partnership with, you know, this investment in leadership uh, and that becoming a defining way for the future of India, uh, I think it's a very, very powerful, you know, uh, thought that you have brought. And, and, you know, yes, you're right. I've been part of the, you know, Ananta leadership program. And, and I must say that the one aspect that hit me, you know, in whatever way we define that, you know, we've achieved some level of success uh, or whatever, in whichever shape and form, and that was the, the cohort of people, the idea was not to look at success as an end goal, but significance, you know, yeah. the journey from success to significance, you know, the leadership that has values, you know, that I think is the true difference that India can make to the world when it comes to leadership. And maybe, you know, that's one great uh, roadmap for us. And what you rightly offered institutionally, and I think I'm going to try and again, take that up, you know, within CII, with Ananta. And, you know, of course, there is a lot of integration already there. You know, how do we take the India at 100 journey and build this leadership pipeline you know, and this goes like what you rightly said at a rural level, at an India level, and even global. I mean, I think Indians around the world would be super excited to be a part of this journey, you know, and shape that future. And given the context you've talked of of India, you've talked of, you know, the, the, the rest of the world, I think that also, you know, uh, comes up very, very clearly. But if I were to, you know, take this point a little deeper, right, because you know, at the end of the day, what you rightly said, we need that scale of some level, you know, but of excellence, but we will still need, you know, Indian leadership at all levels, right, to, to, to come about, right? And India is a complex country, 
you know, uh, as, as, as far as we are concerned. You know, so what's that role that the leadership will play, you know, if, if you could share a little thought and also are there some traits, you know, that are common to leadership, right? Uh, you know, that we should look for as we, you know, really build that capability or capacity, I would like to call it within India. You know, Rajan, uh, I want to clarify uh, for both of us and for anybody else who's uh, watching or listening in, that when we talk about leadership, we are not necessarily talking about leading the country. We are actually talking about serving the country. Leadership in serving the country in different areas, be it in the civil society area, the industry area, the government area, it's, it's service. And when you talked about the process that you went through, like others, what happened to you all? You all developed through this process an amazing bond. You all actually developed such a high level of trust amongst yourselves that you share everything with each other because you know that there is a circle of trust. So what I'm talking about is enlarging that circle of trust. This enlarging the number of people who go through this program. Because what it teaches you is integrity. What it teaches, what, what are values? Values mean integrity, honesty, you know, commitment, sincerity, uh, doing for, caring for others. So it's not self. It's others first and maybe self last. So of course you look after yourself and you do everything you can to, to be successful yourself, but you don't forget about the community around you and the cohort around you. You're always connected. And we need to do this because we will then build a different kind of Indian brand. The, the, the Indian will be different. The product, the human Indian will be different. And we are seeing that on a mini scale now amongst these 1,000 odd people that we have already uh, had going through the program. So scaling up is not a program. We have the model. We know how to do it. We have trained people who can help others to go through the process so that you can scale up. And so I just want to clarify, it's a lot to do with service to the nation service to different parts of the nation is not about power it's not at all about power yeah. no i think a true lesson in leadership you know i think is it's only when you serve the community that the community makes you a leader that you're proposed to serve in some shape and form i think i think that's also a very you know very very important aspect of of what you know you discussed I, i'm just you know as as i'm just taking this one point a little deeper, you know, we've got a few minutes before I will open it up, you know, for Q&A and I know you and I can go on for a long time, you know, on this subject and many of the questions when it comes to, to India, but, you know, the, the leadership challenge as one, one calls it, right? It's, you know, I, you, you rightly pointed out, you know, I was at a convocation somewhere and I asked the young people there, 
I said, how many of you would, would like to be job creators or job seekers? And Tarun, I'm not kidding. More than half of that graduating class put up their hand for job creators, right? Now, to me, each of them in some shape and form is going to lead a set of people, is going to lead a group of people, right? The kind of expertise that they have gained through their education, through the knowledge is of one type, right? And, and we've seen, of course, a huge outburst, you know, a huge growth, unicorns, leaders, large new age employers, young people, you know, getting into leadership, right? Uh, this holistic approach to becoming an effective leader, you know, to becoming, you know, a successful leader, right? Is, is there is a gap, there's a journey to be covered there. Right. Uh, while Ananta is definitely one platform that does it, you know, to people who have already achieved some level of success, you know, how do we, you know, kind of grassroots mobilize, you know, this piece, right? So that, you know, even a person who is leading two people in some shape and form is a leader, you know, it, it starts with the mother who leads the children, you know, I mean, it, how do we democratize that at a grassroots level? You know, Rajan, in my lifetime, uh, Somebody gave me a chance uh, to lead an institution at a very young age. And for me, I found that in the same way, I, must, I wanted to give a chance to people who are younger than me to come and take responsibility, to lead, in fact. And we developed over time a very young, very efficient, very dynamic, very caring, very competent team in CII. They were all young people. So you have to trust the young. We will learn by mistake. We will stumble. We will fall. But we will get up and go. Because we have that drive. We want to keep going. And we want to keep learning. And we want to keep achieving. So. This country is so rich in young people. No other country in the world has the wealth that we have of young people. That is wealth. That is asset. We just need to trust them, give them the opportunity, give them the space, and they will perform. Don't worry about it. They will perform within broad parameters, which we set of, you know, of values, of trust, they will perform within that. I have seen it in my lifetime. CII has never thought that it was only focused on business. The very fact that CII has taken the India at 75 work on goes well beyond business. It's about nation. And India at 100, clearly CII has to do more and more as a junior partner to the government, which very happily has taken the leadership role in building this dream of India at 100. But young people, you're still young, Rajan, by my standards. You're still young. And people younger than you. And I hope the CII team today it's also a very young team. Allow them to run. They will win the race for you. Not only CII, but Indians generally. 
young Indians generally. You have an amazing resource in CI. Again, you call something called the young Indians. Young people. I think maybe a thousand of them or more. I don't know how many. This was to harness and engage the younger generation in development work, in issues like education and health and all of that. That's another great force. That so that you have no worries on people. They are there for you. Don't rein them in. Let them go. Uh, I think that that's what the youth really, you know, are able to do. That you know, years of wisdom and years of you know experiences kind of limit. And I think that's really what you know differentiates a young, energetic, youthful country looking at the future. You know, rather than a large legacy of the past and the problems that you know one sees. And and you know, you call me young. Right, but I also know the way I've aged over the last, you know, say 15 years of just seeing this journey, you know, and and I think even the young Indians that were institutionalized, you know, around when you were at CII, and I've been privileged to again have chaired that nationally. I can tell you what it stands at today. That one, you know, 60 chapters across the country, you know, small small things have actually, you know, given those young people courage to go and lead. Right, to go and make change in the areas that they are operating in. And I think there are many such movements. What you're saying is right. Government has so many large movements, you know, NYKS and others. I think if we can channelize that, if we can just give some sort of a framework to that, you know, that will that will be great. I'm going into the, the questions. And anyway, as you were talking of the youth, there is what is your message, you know, for the youth of our nation and how can they contribute towards nation? But I think there are a lot of young people you know, probably on this, on this conversation too, and who will, you know, listen to this message. I think even a lot of CII young people are, are part of this conversation as we are, you know, uh, relaying this live. But if you were talking directly to, to that youth, what are a few words you might want to tell them? I would, uh, first, first of all, I come from that entire background and experience of trusting youth. I want to always empower you. I want to give them the opportunity. And that's what I always advocate to other people. And young people have never let me down in my life. So that's number one. To the youth, I would say, it's a, you use that word. It's a word that I use a lot, marathon. It's a marathon. There are ups and downs. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Whatever you do, it's not going to be a cakewalk. There will be ups and downs. Life is not, you know, doesn't take you to the gold medal straight away. So you have to be ready for a long haul and you have to work hard at whatever you do. So keep at it. Don't give up. You will get there. I don't want to give a long answer. I mean, I'm sure they understand what I'm saying. I'm happy to engage separately offline. I don't want to take too much time. Never give up. And I think you're getting a lot of thumbs ups and a lot of hearts for, for, that, for that statement. And what you rightly said, you know, if, the, uh, if any relationship begins with trust first until it is broken, I think that's the best service we can do to the youth and to the young people. And what you rightly said, even at our organization, because, you know, in the technology sector, sector and digital where we are operating, 
our average age is 26 or 27 right there are people who are you know who do not understand finance managing large budgets right at that age if one is not able to trust them with the on and they will make mistakes right and there is yeah. it's going to happen but that trust as the basis of relationship trust as the basis of society trust as the basis of leadership trust as the basis for india and trust as the ability for india to become a super partner i think seems to be the one word that is really uniting you know india today or can unite india you know and if we can get that right you know the future is really up to us to go and take you know Ra you know rajan i want to just intervene here and say that we lost many years in india because we put down a system of development based on mistrust so many regulations so many controls so many permissions and all of that but we are steadily moving away from that we've come to one place we have some way to go but we have to build and that this is it we have to build a complete system on based on trust and our people our young people will just perform so well if they are trusted they will rise to the occasion they always have you know, it's interesting because, you know, when we look at what connected Indians in the 40s, you know, we saw, you know, a circle of wanting freedom, right? We wanted rights. When we saw back in India at 60 and we, you know, looked at what connected people in India, a better livelihood, right? For the future, for themselves, for the rest, for the next gen. And I think we made great progress and we know we are on that journey, right? Now to really make a difference, you know, to the world at large, if, if trust can connect Indians to I think nothing can stop us, right, from achieving what we what we have. I think it's a beautiful, you know, way to envision, you know, the future. But as we've talked of so much optimism, I have a question here from Bharat I think it's still optimistic, but sir, you have set a very bold yet achievable aspiration for India for the next 25 years. While we are doing a lot of right things that will set us on that path, what, in your opinion, are one or two areas which might pull us down, and we need to actively work towards, you know, addressing them. That question. What can pull us down are only people. We can pull ourselves down. So everything is not going to be perfect. And we are facing challenges, new challenges all the time. I always say to my friends and colleagues that this time will pass. India has seen some very difficult times in the past. I have lived through, in my working life, I've lived through the emergency. I have lived through when Mrs. Gandhi came back to power and the situation which was there when Sanjay Gandhi was very much running the roost. I have lived through the time when Mrs. Gandhi was assassinated and there was mayhem, you know, in Delhi and in the north of India on that. One has seen many crises, but we have gone past that. We have been able to overcome that and move on. India is a very resilient country. Indians are very resilient people. So I don't see anything that can pull us down. We just need to keep working at it. We need to be slogging and we need to have our vision clear. One India, new India and we will achieve it.
I am not willing to accept that anything will pull us down. Great. I mean, just sustaining this optimism because you're you're absolutely right. If we are able to get the people right, I think everything will fall right. Uh, and you know, another question we have is while India has built impact to scale, what should we do more or differently to achieve more through excellence leading to leadership in intellectual capital? I think how do we basically? I think the question is how do we strengthen our intellectual capital uh, at the country level? You know, one of the things that we uh, neglected in the past, and that has been put right over the last few years, is investment in technology, investment in R&D. See, you see, intellectual capital, intellectual property, these are all connected things. Patents out of the R&D that you do. So we cannot live on imported technology. We have to develop our own technology. Because when you depend on imported technology, then you always will get the second-hand technology or the third-hand technology. You won't get the state of art. So we need to develop this. So we need to put more resources in to building our intellectual. We've got amazing institutions of education like the IITs. They are the best in the world today. Their brand and their students who come out of there. I mean, they're on par with any university, whether it's Stanford or Harvard or Princeton or Cambridge or Oxford. That you, so we have the intellectual capital. We need to support them to grow further. We need to support them to be able to develop technology for ourselves. We have to develop a different kind of technology for our rural areas. We can't use imported technology for developing rural areas. If we, if we want to uh, have construction equipment for the rural areas, they'll not be the same as for the big projects like dams and highways. So this is being done in our design centers around the country. In fact, one of the finest design centers in Pune in developing products for the rural areas. And it is in the private sector. So it's not only that government is doing it, but private sector is also doing developing intellectual capital and intellectually powerful products which are suitable for India's needs. No, I think I think the, the core of this intellectual power, you know, and we say the technology driving both economic growth leadership, moral leadership, trust-based society, etc. Technology will make such a big, you know, uh, difference, uh, you know, to all of that. You know, we've run out of our, you know, our uh, Tarun, I don't know how it's passed by, and I know we can, uh, you know, keep going. But, you know, as, as I, I'm not going to even try and summarize what we have discussed. It's just been such a wonderful discussion. It's been, you know, an encapsulation of a journey, but really, you know, looking forward and and I think what what I found really interesting is to find that 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 one word you know or the one kind of a capability or a I would say an attribute that India needs to have on trust and you know the world trusting India India becoming the trusted partner you know actually standing out from so many of the other you know conversations that we've had but just to your last point you know as 
you know, as CII, when we met the prime minister, when he was still the chief minister of Gujarat in 2008, you know, and we talked to him about this vision of uh, uh, India 75, and I was part of that conversation. And he ended that conversation saying, Dili, I get to right? And nobody understood what that meant. But when he came in in 2014, if you go and look at the record, the very next day, he set a vision for India of 2022, you know, with his with his party workers and said, we are not looking at the next election of 2019. We are going to talk about the new India of 2022, right? And that journey, I think, which was aspiration-based back then, you know, in India of aspirations in 2007-8. Today, what you rightly just talked of, self-confidence, Atma Nirbharta, as we call it, we have already traversed that. Right? And now I think it's the journey of really taking that self-confidence and leading the world, but leading it differently, leading it as a partner, leading it on values that are truly Indian and really putting India, you know, on the top of the world as Indian and Indianness <laughs> rather than replicating, you know, anything in the world. And we always say that the Indian way will be different, you know, because obviously we are a large population, you addressed inequality, we need to do a lot of things to, you know, bridge that. And that's probably wherein lies our true potential of yeah. innovation, strength, and really, you know, giving uh, things to the world. So thank you so much for sharing your dream, your vision, you know, for India at 100, India of 2047. And maybe as we close, you know, if there is one line you want to share with people here and the audience, as your closing remark, we end with that. Thank you very much, Rajan. It's a great privilege, great honor to be on this program and to be with you. Just three key words. Trust young people, men and women, especially women, technology. See the, see the future. India at 100 will be a different place altogether. And the young people on this program will be there to see that dream being realized. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. This was Tarun Das, former Director General of CII, in an engaging conversation with host Rajan Navani, where he shared his dream for India at 75. Thank you all for tuning into the I Have a Dream podcast. Stay tuned for more conversations where we explore what India has overcome and what India can do to become a strong leader as we enter a golden period.